You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 201, covering The Ascent and Rapture. Hi, friends. Hey, guess what? We're back. We're back, and uh, Season 5 got way better suddenly. Yeah, it did. Last week was not so great. This week is great, yep. so uh, so that's a good sign. Dramatic ex- escalation. Yes, exactly. Dramatic escalation. Escalation. Let's, how about not making fun of the way I can't talk? No, no. I was I was uh, referencing the Batman show. Ah, uh, yes. Egg. Which recently was released on DVD and Blu-ray, finally, and I've been watching quite a lot of it, so... Expect, expect terrible egg puns. Expect the unexpected, Batman. The the, the, the disappointing thing is that uh, he only ever made puns, like, with the word egg. He didn't, like, say shell or crack or, like, like there's so many more puns available. Yeah. And he only ever just used the word egg. That was it. A little disappointing. Also, best, best plan ever. I'm going to take, I'm going to conquer Gotham and then have people from all over gathering to count eggs for my plan. Oh, well, see, I haven't seen the second one yet, so spoilers. Oh, that's it. Oh, all right. Also something about uh, the white Native American guy. Uh, yeah, let's... Wow. That was that was pretty racist. Oh, yeah. Um, I was gonna try to do a clever segue from that to Star Trek, and it seems like there is one, and I'm just blanking. Why don't we talk about Star Trek, Matt? Speaking of racism in Star Trek... No, 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 no. Actually, I did hear, I don't know if this is a rumor, I saw somebody retumble or retweet it the other day, mm. that uh, CBS or whoever, I, I never get this right, CBS, Paramount, whoever owns Star Trek now, I think it's CBS, um is actually considering putting DS9 on Blu-ray, but you got to buy next-gen Blu-rays to convince them that people are going to buy the other Blu-rays. Uh-oh. All right, get out there, people. You've got your homework assignment. I, th- I think that was legit. It could have just been somebody made it up and it got retweeted, but that sounds legit. Yeah. So, yeah, and even if DS9's not your favorite, presumably if DS9 goes well, then they'll do Voyager, so... And if DS9's is not your favorite, then we assume Voyager must be. I, well, you know. That's good science, right? I, I'm just, I'm, I, what I'm trying to do is, as we approach Voyager and Enterprise, I'm trying to maybe scale back the trash talk just a little bit. Oh, I'm scaling it up. Uh, you you do what you like. I'm not going to tell you how to how to handle your business, but... Uh, I don't need your, I don't need your permission to handle my business. <laughs> but I, I feel like we're completely alienating the people who like those shows, and maybe at least one of us should try to be fair. All right. I nominate you. Okay. That's fine. So I'm trying. I'm not going to always be successful. I'm saying that now, but I'm, I am actively trying. Yeah. Anyway, we're not there yet. We're, we're in mid-season five of DS9. Yes, we are. And uh, why, why don't you tell the people what happened in the episode, what's called The Ascent. All right. So the Cisco home is all aflutter with news that longtime resident and occasional guest star Jake is moving in with old, what's his name? Um, you know, Nog. Meanwhile, Odo has finally figured out a way to trick Quark into going camping with him. He arrests him. It's a far-out fun adventure for these two buddies until another plot device brand bomb blows up, the, blows the runabout off course and it crashes on beautiful, deadliest planet ever. Since the bomb's oddly specific explosion destroyed almost everything of use, the two very best friends are forced to share a set of clothes and drag a communications thingy up a damn mountain. 
Everything's going fine until a tiff about who gets to wear the trousers escalates into a leg-breaking contest, which Odo wins, or possibly loses, depending on how the rules work. <laughs> anyway, Odo breaks his leg, which means now Cork has to drag the communicator box, Odo, Odo's stick bed, a large canoe, an old hound dog, and an exquisitely decorated wedding cake up the mountain. <laughs> Depression sets in, but a quick pep talk from Odo, you're terrible, Quark, forces him to press on, reaching the summit, contacting the Defiant, and saving the day. Back on DS9, Felix and Oscar bicker. As opposed to the Felix and Oscar climbing the mountain. Yes, exactly. Don't you think that's odd? Look, Al, everywhere they go, they're known as the couple. <laughs> I think the only way this could have been more sitcom-y is if Odo and Quark were also handcuffed to each other. Yep. And Jake and Nog were also handcuffed <laughs> to each other. And what the hell, O'Brien and Worf, because you gotta have three. You're saying you could have taken those handcuffs off at any time? Not any time. Only, only when, when it was, was profitable. <laughs> Yours is better. Cut mine out. Nope. Damn it. That's going in there. <laughs> no, the thing is, I say sitcom, and it is, but I, I realized, and I may be wrong, but yeah, you couldn't think of any, and I, I mentioned it to Amanda, she couldn't think of any, so I think I might be right. There hasn't been an episode that actually focuses on the Odo Quark friendship before now. No, it comes up, at, like, pretty yeah, regularly. almost every episode, you yeah. get a scene with them Since being... Since the first episode. Yeah, antagonistic to each other, and and it's it's always there. But I don't think we've ever had it the main, like, be the A story of an episode. Yeah. It's weird it's, it took them, like, five seasons to get here. Apparently what they wanted to do, or uh, what one of the writers wanted to do, was, like, waiting for Godot with, with Odo and Quark. Right. Where it's just two guys talking and insulting each other with no story. And they're like, well, we obviously can't do that. But let's <laughs> let's do something like that, but with a plot. I'd, uh, let's, uh, we'll make them walk up a mountain. Yeah, and the thing is, if you have two well-defined characters, you don't really necessarily need a plot. No. But, but this worked. I, I assume that, like, you know, they just never would have been allowed to, to air the episode if it was just them. I believe the original plan was them waiting to get picked up by Cisco. Right. It's it's the waiting for Godot thing where you're not really exactly clear what they're waiting for, but yep. they're waiting for something. Mm -hmm. And I assume they would have called it waiting for Cisco, but, but it would have worked so much better if they'd called it waiting for Odo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming. But it's it's a bit like like that setup would be a bit Seinfeldy. Like yeah. Seinfeld pushed the envelope as far as that goes. As far as you, you don't really need a story. If you have good characters doing interesting things, what actually like is happening story wise is kind of incidental. You don't want to do that every week. No, but, it's, but it would be a nice change. Yeah, every now and then you can have an episode like on Seinfeld, like the uh, the Chinese restaurant or the parking garage, where they're yep. just wandering around for twenty two minutes and yep. talking. But on this show, you got to have space adventure. So. Oh no, I'm so, Quark. I'm so hungry. <laughs> well, go up there and just grab something off one of their plates. <laughs> I'll give you a hundred dollars. Seriously. I I really liked just those two. You know, like it's it's really the vibe is like two sort of hyper masculine dudes who don't want to seem gay by admitting they love each other, but they clearly love each yep. other. Yep. It's not exactly that, but that's that's the general gist of how you might have run into a relationship like this in real life. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, you know, I'm I'm too tough to say that I care about you, but I clearly care about yeah. you. Yeah. Well, and I can't because, you know, I'm supposed to be trying to arrest you. Well, that that's the extra element to this, yes. And I'm supposed to be trying to outsmart you. Right. And there's there's they get a lot of good digs in. Yeah. He says, you're just a failure. Yeah, well, then you've just spent the last 10 years of your life trying to catch a failure. Oh. <laughs> 
your quirk sort of sort of went into Doc Venture territory. Oh, I, I wasn't even trying to do the voices there. I was just slightly changing my inflection. Been trying to spend ten years trying to catch a failure, Brock. Fa well, I mean, the word failure is probably how Urbaniac gets into that character. Yep, failure. I'm a failure. There, I've got it. Let's go. <laughs> Odd that. Yeah. <laughs> Strange. There's a there's a great exchange. That might I don't know. You you did not have an easy task choosing a quote in this. I assume. I did not. I went through I about have. fifteen quotes before I got to the one that I got to right at the end. Yeah, he's like this one. This one. No, this one. The last thing I heard. So you're like Rom. Yep. Last hey, thing I heard. Hey, fuck you. How about that? <laughs> just just in this aspect, not in you know. I could not co-host a, a show with someone uh, who sounded <laughs> like that. Trust me. Hey, I'm I'm Ron Algar. What? And I'm Matt Robotham. Oh, God. Ron Botham. Uh, see you, folks. Oh, God. <laughs> Safe journeys. <laughs> That's the other show. I do two shows. Yeah, I know. I talk on them. I know. I know you know. But we're not talking about that show. We're talking about this show. It's true. And we're actually talking about the show that we talk about on this show, which is a show. Yes. Show. Um, I, I just, I like... There's a there's an exchange where they're yelling one word insults at each other. Yep. And they all start with F. <laughs> Fascist, failure. I, I don't remember the rest. My favorite it's... is when they when they fall over and roll down the hill and you can still hear Quark going, You fascist! Yep. Fascist! <laughs> now he's muttering it at this point. I'm almost dead, but uh, fascist. Gotta get the last word in. I'll show him. <laughs> Brock. There's there's really good uh makeup. Like, oh, God, the makeup in this is awesome. As they get further up the mountain, as they get more hungry and more exhausted and more cold, mm -hmm. like you start to see this. They look emaciated, and just like you can see their skulls in their faces, yep. and it's, it's creepy. It's great. The episode's supposed to take over the course of, what, like a week? I, I'm not I sure, think, actually. I think they're on that planet for like a week. Well, they're supposed to be, like, their, their initial journey when Odo is taking Quark to the Grand Jury is supposed to take a week. Yeah. And they crash like five days into that. Yeah. But I don't know how long it takes them to get up the mountain. I'm not sure. But um, I know it takes a while. Yeah. No, it definitely does. We see day and night happen a yeah. few times. But um, no, by the end, they look terrible. Yeah. And uh, against the backdrop of what is probably the most beautiful uh, location shot they've done. Yep. Like it, it's extra like the, the contrast there of them looking awful and the landscape looking gorgeous. I think really works. Let's head out to the scenic Colorado Rockies. I don't know. Is that where they shot it? I, I have no know. idea. But I, um, I assume it's somewhere near like Burbank or wherever they shot nah, the I show. Mean, that's cause... my assumption, but it looks like the nicer parts of BC, honestly. Yeah, but I mean, that's why people shoot in uh, Vancouver is yeah. because you're about like within an hour radius. You have all the different like you can go to the beach, you can go to the mountains, you can go to the forest. Like yep. you have a little bit of everything up there. Yep. Um, But my bad thing. Is the planet they crash on, uh, for once, not a Class M planet. Not every single planet in the galaxy, Class M, which is good. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be Class S, which um, is barely habitable. Presumably the S is for sucks. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole song about that. Um, but, uh, which is great. Like, okay, good. We're finally not on... Well, first of all, we're finally not in the Gamma Quadrant. Mm -hmm. And we're crashing on a planet that's not completely perfect for humanoid life. Good! <laughs> But barely habitable, all the, all the, like I say, it's beautiful there. Um, and I'm just not buying that it's barely habitable. Like, okay, maybe there aren't any flat surfaces to build a house on. No, but... Maybe, um, it's, a, maybe it's cold, 
but so that's like saying Alaska's barely habitable. Yeah. No, it's not. It's uh the problem is like I see what they were going for, but um uh it's it looks like a very lovely day out, honestly. Well, and they mentioned that in Memory Alpha that it was about uh, 60 degrees Fahrenheit, which I don't have Celsius in front of me, so you probably don't know what that means, but like a cool spring day. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, this is pretty perfect picnic weather. Which is good for the actors, because they're not suffering too badly. Although, apparently, they Armin Shimmerman <laughs> nearly suffocated in his makeup. <laughs> but they, they fixed that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think the way they shot it, they ran some kind of filter through it and a few other things like to, to make it... Like, it still looked... As inhospitable as they could make it. Yeah. But it's, they did a great job of making it look cold. They they absolutely did. And part of that was the makeup on, on the two guys yeah. who look absolutely frostbitten. But yeah, it just it didn't look barely habitable is the phrase they used, and I don't I don't buy that. No. But I mean the alternative is planet hell again, and that just always looks no, like No, 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 no. I love when they go on location yeah. for planets. I absolutely do. I just I think if they said uh class M but but rough. Yeah. Like would have made more sense than saying this is a whole other class. Mm-hmm. That well, is I think, like, I guess the thing is, Class M is a planet where there could be animals, which they could hunt for food. Whereas right. this this planet has no life on it except for you know trees. Trees. Yeah. No. And and Quark even mentions you know he's looking for beetles or whatever, like you know little bugs because Ferengi eat bugs. Yep. And sometimes they play that for stupid, like oh, aren't they weird? But this time it's just like he's looking for food. Yep. And he doesn't see any. And what I noticed was in the sound mix, usually when you shoot outdoors, there's there's bird song, there's there's cricket chirping. Yep. And they did a really good job of all you get is the wind and the water. Yep. You get no animal sound effects in there at all. And that really, like, it, it, you don't notice it at first. I notice it because I do a lot of sound editing with, like, ambient noise. And right. it's just something I pick up on because I do it a lot. But it's... It, it it's kind of creepy when you realize it because it's like wait a minute there's always a bird somewhere yeah and there isn't one what the hell well I mean it really would have thrown off the whole episode if they were just climbing up the mountain there's nothing to eat we're gonna starve and in the back of here ah yeah or you hear like you know a lot of crickets yeah or whatever like just it, it wouldn't have worked so it was a nice detail but again there's liquid water there yeah no that they couldn't have uh, they'd be dead. Honestly, right. I mean, it's it's obviously somewhat ha- uh, habitable, and also it's not so cold that the water is frozen. Yeah, I mean, it's cold, but it's you know the water's still water. Mm. So although it's not it, might, like although it might be slightly poisoned. I know they were saying yeah. all, like all of the uh, all of the plant life is slightly poisonous. Right. Which was a nice touch because they can't shoot where there's no trees. Yeah. They're just like, well, there are trees, but uh, I think they're probably poisonous. Here, chew on this leaf. Yeah, well, nope. No, really working. No, I'm dying. Yep. Um, what was your good thing? Um, what was my good thing? So, any excuse to any excuse to get Quark and Odo stuck together is okay by me. I could basically watch these two argue to cover up the fact that they're in love all damn day. Oh yeah. Um, that last the last scene of the episode, which is also my quote. Well, well let's go so, ahead and play that now. Play that. Odo. Odo, you awake? I am now. We survived. We did. I bet you were surprised. I actually made it all the way to the top. Astounded. You remember back there when I told you I hated you? And you told me you hated me? Vividly. I just wanted you to know 
I meant every word of it. So did I. <laughs> Basically just a perfect summation of their entire relationship. Yep. I hate you. I hate you too. I love you. Okay, so uh, we'll meet again tomorrow to tell each other how much we hate each other. Right? I'm yep. looking forward to it. Same time tomorrow. Yep. No, I, I love these guys, and we've talked about this, you know. Yeah, since the pilot, like, uh, we had some problems, like, people weren't quite where they needed to be. Dax took a particularly long time to get there, but these two these were two fully formed from day one. perfectly established since the, since the first episode. Yeah, as individual characters and also as a pair. Yeah. Which is great. Like and, you, you have a pre-existing relationship that, like, so much of a pilot in an early, like, early seasons of a show, or characters getting to know each other, and it was nice to have two guys that already knew each other. Yeah, that helped make the show feel more familiar. Good, you know, off the off the batch. Yeah, off the batch. Yeah, that's yeah, a you word. know that's the a, batch. That's an expression. Right? <laughs> off the bat. Jesus, it looks like you really dropped the ball. Looks like I dropped the batch. <laughs> I've got batches on my mind. I don't know what that's about. Um, but no, you're absolutely right that, like I said, the, the, as far as I can remember, and you know, I assume someone will correct us if we're remembering mm -hmm. wrong, but I don't think there's been another full on uh, Odo and Quark, Quark and stuck Odo together. Show. Yeah. And it was great. It's, it's about damn time. Yeah, absolutely. No, these guys, these guys are just for chemistry that perfect. You would have thought we would have gotten more with these two, like yeah. just you would have thought the writers would have noticed, oh, these two are perfect together. Let's just keep giving them episodes where they have to, where they get stuck together. Well, the thing is, they noticed that early on, and they they put, like, we get a scene in literally almost, like, almost every episode where both characters appear, they have a scene together. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a couple of, of exceptions, but I would say, you know, 80% of all the episodes so far have had one good Odo and Cork scene. Yep. Like, they know it. It's just the first time we've we've been asked instead of for them being like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern off to the side mm -hmm. they get to be the main focus which is nice uh my good thing yes. is uh, we've had a lot of episodes where it's two guys on a runabout crash yep and it's always so contrived to me uh, for one thing we're not in the gamma quadrant good yeah that's a plus and for another the actual means by which they crash is not just oops we're in space, which is giant and empty, and we should be able to detect anything from, from light years away, but we accidentally crashed into a thing, mm -hmm. an anomaly or a, a cloud or a whatever. Cl a cluster. That's all yeah. the problem. Yeah. This is a real clusterfuck. And, um, but, but this time, the, the culprit was an actual bomb that was planted by someone who presumably wanted to sabotage Quark. Like, it, it made sense in the context of what was going on. Yep. And I like when... Plot developments are part of what's already happening and not just a random new thing that happened. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's always my preference. And it's also like I like that the like when the when the actual runabout crashes, neither of these guys actually knows how to fix a runabout. No, neither of them are technically minded, and you feel like when the bomb exploded, okay, a couple of key systems were knocked out, but maybe Chief O'Brien or Dax could work it out. These yeah. guys are not qualified for it's that. Just like, well, Yep, it's broken. The What's wrong? That, I don't know, it's broken. Yeah, the fact that they figured out they could haul the communications box up the mountain, you know, it's pretty good for those two. I feel like, I mean, neither of them is dumb. Oh, no, not at all. And I feel like runabouts probably, like any kind of small warp craft that, that might be used by someone who isn't in Starfleet, uh -huh. is probably equipped with some emergency stuff that anyone can know, like... 
like a removable communications array is probably like a standard thing. Yeah. I mean, I assume they're, you know, it's like a car, basically, you know? If you know what you're doing, it's not hard to fix. Right, but I'm saying it, it, they probably include some, like, dumbed-down stuff. Yeah. Because runabouts are warp-capable, but they're also small enough that maybe only two people would be in them. That seems so dangerous to me. It does to me, too. It's it's weird that they would loan out an official warp-capable Starfleet vessel to someone not in Starfleet, to honestly. Two, to two idiots. Well, to one idiot holding the other one in custody. <laughs> Who would be stupid enough to crash a runabout on this planet? Hello. Hello. <laughs> We're both Odo. That's because Quark is hard to do. I know. Um, another thing... I can't believe he's the hardest voice to do on this entire show. I'm just going through the cast in my head now. I think you're right. Yep. He doesn't really have, like, a, a key phrase. Like, a like a, I call it the phrase that pays when you're doing voice acting and you yeah. find, a, a you know, to get into the character. Yeah. Like, he doesn't really have one of those. My idiot brother, Rom, I guess that's kind of one. It's a but it's not like I've done, but still. But it's, I mean, it's not good. No. But it's, you know, like, that's the best I can think of as far as stuff that he says regularly. Whereas, oh, no, Quark! Quark. Like, that's, that's easy. A lot of that really in this one. Really dropped the ball. Can't believe yep. the Cardassians showed up. I can't believe the Cardassians. <laughs> that's going back a long time. Or, I don't give a damn what yep. you think. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it is a little strange that these two would just be given a runabout, but yeah, whatever. But I mean, like, we've seen, you know, that happens all the time. Right. Uh, the, the gist of it is that Quark wanted to join the Orion Syndicate, and uh, he, <laughs> he never did. Nope. And they were trying to kill him. Yep. That, that's it. No, like, the, it's not uh, complicated. <laughs> like, the Federation wanted him to testify or something. Yeah, they wanted him as a witness, not as a as a as a suspect. Yeah, and Quark's just or uh, Otis is like, oh, I was so close to getting what I always wanted, but which I don't actually want. Yeah, the thing is, he's going with Quark to make sure Quark's treated fairly. You yep. know that. Oh yeah. Like his initial thought was, the Federation's arresting Quark. I better go to make sure that they don't just lock him away in in uh, space Guantanamo forever. Yep. And uh, you know, he's useful to me. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. <laughs> he's such a dick too. I love I love how much of a dick Odo is. He's like Quark's like cuz at first I thought they were playing oh for Ingi have big ears. I get it, but it's actually a plot point yep. that he can hear th like he's very sensitive to hearing things. He can hear the bomb right before it goes off, which is kind of cool. Uh but he's like stop slurping your soup and stop, you know, and so Odo's just like deliberately making too much noise now just to just piss him off. Oh, do you hear a noise? Does it sound like this? Bzz. Yeah. Oh, man, that's good soup. <laughs> you know, Quark, when I was when I was a changeling, I never got to enjoy soup quite like I do now. It's mm -hmm. really good soup. I'm just gonna... <sighs> yep. Man, that's good. So it's it's fun to see, you know, him just being a dick. Yep. I we've known that like his his body language has changed so drastically since he became human. Oh, absolutely. It's really good acting on uh Rene Abajoir. Yep. No, it's um there's a there's a bit where he's reading a pad and Quark snatches it out of his hand. What are you what are you reading? And uh It's and porn. It's it's basically porn, yes. It's like softcore, like he he took her heaving bosoms, blah blah blah, you know. 
whatever. Like if if pads had covers, it would have Fabio on the cover. Yep. <laughs> whatever the Star Trek version of Fabio is. Yeah, whatever the 24th century version of. I mean, Fabio, I assume, existed in Star Trek's history. Well, Fabio is eternal. No, no, no. I'm saying he's long dead, but I'm saying it's not like he didn't live in the 20th, 21st century in, you know, in their history. But no. there must be a new Fabio now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what he calls himself. The new Fabio. The new Fabio. Right. I am uh, a new Fabio. He probably uh, came from um, Justice Planet. Yeah. Because he's all oiled. Yep. Um, Justice but, Planet or Ryza. Right. But uh, so Quark starts reading the thing, and, and Odo looks embarrassed. And you realize in five years, you've never seen him show that particular expression before. Yep. Just, um, yeah. I, mean, I was reading it for, uh, well, research. crime is always uh, romance. Yeah. I need to understand the human condition so I understand, uh, you know, the motives of criminals. No, shut up. No, uh -huh. you don't. You're just enjoying your newfound boner. Look, it's fine. I understand. Look, I run a pleasure palace. I get it. <laughs> you, you don't have to hide it from me. Incidentally, if you want. Yeah. No, he's always looking for the upsell. Yep. Like, oh, you, you want to buy this Luke Perry pillow? <laughs> So, uh, well, you know what? Oh, I would buy a Luke Perry pillow from Quark. Would you buy one for me? Because uh, 1993 and me could be really happy about that. <laughs> no, that's too bad. Um, but it's also a good way. Uh, I was I, I didn't catch this, but I saw in Memory Alpha, one of the things they were trying to do is tell a story about how difficult it is for Odo not to be a changeling now. Yeah. To present him with an obstacle that he could have easily overcome as a changeling and now is a huge struggle because he's got to walk around on two legs like a jerk. Yep. They even and, say it in the episode, I could have turned into a pterodactyl and flew this up the mountain. Yeah, now I gotta walk up with you. Ugh. Now I gotta walk around using my legs like a chump. Yep. So that was, it was cool to give Odo like a, like a, this is a bad situation because of yep. his, you know, of his new uh, circumstances. And I, I can't even, I can't even make the walk easier by making my feet thousands of tiny legs to walk me up the mountain. <laughs> And I can't even, like, uh, uh, shapeshift a coat for myself. <laughs> i got to share the coat and pants with you. I don't want to share this coat. The thing is, they, they bitch about, oh, I found it first, or I'm more important, or whatever. But they, they are totally committed to sharing 50-50 to the point where one of them is wearing the left glove and one of them is wearing <laughs> the right glove. One of them wears the coat, one of them wears the pants. And yep. then they switch. Yep. And they do throughout the episode. They switch back and forth. Yeah, every time we cut back, they're 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 swapped. <laughs> nice detail. Yep. But it's it's clear, like yeah, they're uh, like verbally they're abusive, but clearly they're dedicated to being fair. Odo very make, makes a you know a, a point of saying we have two things of field rations. One is mine. One is yours. Like they're they're not actively trying to kill the other guy until they actively try to kill each other. Uh, very briefly. Yes. And that's just a that's just a little little scuffle. That's yeah. not a big deal. Um, there's there's a great there's a great moment where um, where Cork passes out with the with the communicator on the on his back, and Otis sort of runs up and j just checks if he's okay. As soon as he mm -hmm. sees he is, you better not have broke that communicator, Quark. Yeah. Well, there's a, yeah, there's a long pause first. Yeah. Because and you can even see it in his face. Like, should I express some concern? No. Here's how I'll say it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Um. So, what was your bad thing? Um, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in the other plot, I could not be more bored by Jake and Nog can't get along. Like, as soon as the episode starts and and Cisco's like, I can't believe you're moving in with Nog. 
I was like, okay, I know exactly how this episode's gonna go. And I was right. The thing is, when you say Quark and Odor are stranded on a planet together, I knew exactly how that was gonna go, too. Yeah, and it was gonna go fun. Yeah, and I I didn't dislike the Jake and Nog thing. Like, it wasn't... I, I'm glad it wasn't the A story. Yeah. But it didn't bother me. No, it's just like, ugh, these two. I like that Also, Nog, Nog what the fuck happened to you? Well, that, I mean, that's what I, I was know. about to say. I like it. I like that... He went off to the Academy, and this was, like, the best thing that ever happened to him from his perspective. I mean, like, And it, look, it made him, like, a nerd. It made him care about everything. Yeah. And like, I like that. Look, we all know that guy. Yeah. He, but plus, it's he, like, plus, he's got his dad's, uh, having to do the exact last thing he was told. Uh, yeah, but it's different here, because <clears throat> at least they're orders. Yeah. And Cisco, like, like, Avery Brooks does a great job of sort of... Like, uh, sort of evolving his his attitude toward Nog this whole time. Like, mm. like he, first he hated him, then he sort of grudgingly, like, ugh. And then, like, you want to join Starfleet? Uh, okay. And then when he went back to Earth, he's like, oh, hi, cadet. And he's a little further along now where he's not quite proud of him, but he's he hates him a little less. It's like, I'm... <sighs> I gotta you actually admit, did it. I gotta admit, I'm impressed. You you actually did it. Here you are, a year later, wearing a cadet uniform, serving on my station. Good, yeah. good, good job. All right. Whereas uh, O'Brien seems genuinely proud of him. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, you, I mean, O'Brien, you, you did okay, lad. O'Brien spent like actual time working with him. Also, O'Brien, like once uh, Nog uh, graduates the academy, <laughs> Nog will outrank him. Oh God. Because that's how officers and enlisted work. <laughs> So, how can I? How can you outrank me? You're the size of an elf. Oh God, he's so tiny. Oh my God. Those cadet uniforms look more like pajamas on him. Well, it's it's because he looks six. Yeah, that's true. It's like he woke up Christmas morning. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I had those pajamas when I was six. Oh man, no, because you'd still be wearing them whether they fit or not. Why? I have my own. I have a set that fits now. A Starfleet? Oh yeah, I guess you do. There's a Starfleet uniform in my closet right now. I guess that's true. Although pictures of it would uh, would show that it does not, in fact, fit. Well, no. I uh, we, we did a we did a photo shoot, and we got you know. Yeah. We did as good a job as we could, but yeah, it was it was like one size too small. That was the, it was the only one available at that price. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, I didn't hate that plot. And as a B plot, you had to cut away from the planet with Odo and Quark. And I'm glad they cut back to something light and fluffy because I couldn't have handled the, like a station is in deadly danger at mm. the same time as that. Yeah. Like I'm glad it was some kind of throwaway thing. Like that was that was a good choice tone wise. Mm. Didn't bother me. No, I get it. I just like ugh. Yeah. Every time they were on screen, I'm like, no, Odo and Quark. Well. But you gotta you gotta cut away sometimes. Well, yeah. You gotta apply that makeup. But uh still. Right. Exactly. And also, Jake, you're gross. I didn't find him that gross. I found the the mess, the quote unquote mess in their uh quarters. Very much a TV idea of a mess, which is three pieces of clothing scattered about and one bowl. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> you have to be a very specific type of slob to, mm -hmm. to, ha to have that kind of mess, where you've apparently taken all the clothes you, you own out of the drawers and thrown them randomly around the room to spite your roommate. Yeah, well, I mean, he's probably doing that. Fuck you, Nog! <laughs> I put a shirt in the replicator. Why would you even do that? We eat out of that replicator, Jake. Yeah, now you're going to eat my shirt. <laughs> yes, eat all our shirts. <laughs> all right, anything else about this episode? Uh, I think that's everything. Very well. It was a good episode.
Let us move forward then to my favorite Blondie song, Rapture. Now he's eating cars and guitars. <laughs> terrible, terrible rap. Good song, though. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of DS9 opens with Cisco staring at a painting. There's a lot of Cisco staring at things in this one. I guess this is what I want from Star Trek. Who knew? I suspect it. The painting contains a possible clue to the whereabouts of the Los Bajoran city of Bahala. Not a bullshit secret message Da Vinci Code style clue, just the normal painting of a thing that used to be their clue. So Cisco decides that it's been a while since he's really gotten his teeth into a wacky obsession and decides to recreate the painting on the holosuite to study the thing and find the lost city. And because Rom is an idiot, Cisco gets a severe electric shock in the poorly maintained holosuite and nearly dies. I should mention that Rom does not actually appear in this episode, but I stand by my Rom is an idiot assertion. Cisco wakes up to discover that his, all his senses have been enhanced, Daredevil style, except that he can also still see. Does my uniform look more vivid to you? Asks Bashir, repeatedly stressing the words, My uniform! And also gesturing at it wildly so we can all notice that, yes, the new gray Starfleet outfits that debuted in First Contact have arrived. In addition to his mild case of tripping balls, or Sulu's disease, as I assume it must be called, <laughs> Cisco has also begun to receive visions. He plays out the famous mashed potato sculpture scene from Close Encounters, then returns to the holosuite and basically locks himself in while he sits quietly and stares. Which, I remind you, is something I love, apparently. Then a light bulb appears. Did you know the Bajorans invented light bulbs 85 trillion years before the rest of the galaxy? And he rushes down to an underground passage on Bajor to discover Bahala. Cassidy, who is now out of jail, joins him and is largely unimpressed. Also unimpressed is Starfleet, who are much more excited to announce that Bajor's admittance to the Federation, you know, the entire thing that the whole show is actually about, is going through. And could Ben maybe stop acting so crazy for a minute so maybe we could get the paperwork signed? But Ben's having none of it. Uh, because the Prophets are sending him more visions, and he's got some serious staring to do. Fuck it, says Admiral Watley, no relation to Bashir's great-grandmother from the original Enterprise, I assume, and proceeds to serve the Welcome to the Federation cake without Sisko. Then Sisko bursts into the room at the mo dr most dramatic moment possible, claiming the Bajor can't join the Federation yet because the Prophets envision and it's real! Is that a spoiler? I don't even care. And then he passes out because the visions are killing him. Jake, who, as we have pointed out many times, only appears in about half the episodes on this show, tells Bashir to save his dad so that uh, he doesn't lose his only excuse to be on the show even that much. Sisko wakes up to discover that his visions are gone and that Bajor has conceded to his crazy wishes for them not to join the Federation for now. Unsurprisingly, Starfleet is not terribly pleased with this, but it's not like they could just fire Bajor and Jesus from his post. After all, it's not a crime to set up yourself as a demigod to an entire race of people, right? I feel like this might have come up on Star Trek before if it was. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I was reading along as you were going through this, and I genuinely believed that when you said that they were going to start carving up the Welcome to the Federation cake, Cisco was going to burst out of it. <laughs> Happy birthday! <laughs> I've had a vision! How did you get in there? It's real! <laughs> it's not really an answer. That's, that's from a future episode, and I'm not giving you any context, so it's not a spoiler. <laughs> It's it's just it, I love this episode. I really this is one of oh, my favorites. Oh god, it was so good. And it surprises me to hear you say that. Yeah. Because uh, and they mentioned this on Memory Alpha. At this point they were kind of resigned to the fact that the fans were not very into the whole Bajoran religion thing. Mm -hmm. And they're like, "Okay, well, you know what? We got 26 episodes a season. We're going to do one cuz we like this story, but we don't expect the fans to be crazy about it." Right. And they were really surprised to learn that the fans really liked it. They're so like, "Really good. Well you came around episode. on this." Yeah. I agree. I would say this is the sort of pinnacle of balancing, like, like this is kind of my good thing. 
they they walk the line between science and religion. They give semi-plausible reasons for everything to be happening. And it works, I think, better than it ever has before. Mm -hmm. And it has this real epic feel to it to me. Like, Cisco feels like a character from mythology. Like, he's talked to the gods, and he's bringing the, the wisdom of the gods back to the people. And yeah. it really works for me. Even to the point where he's walking among the people and telling them, like, you, right. you're not supposed to be here. Go home. But it all has a science explanation at the same time. Yep. It still works as Star Trek. It, it never veers off into, ah, it's just magic. Magic. Wormhole magic. Now, the thing is, okay, he gets these these temporary visions, powers, from a, a, an electrical console shocking him, which is kind of dumb. But the, 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 the initial symptoms seem like a real thing that could happen now. Like, like your nerves are more sensitive. Yeah. That's it. Like colors pop more and and flavors like you, you notice them like all your senses are heightened and that feels like a real thing yeah I, it's actually interesting because i mean now we know he's already susceptible to you know talking to the prophets you know right it makes it actually makes the type of sense that his senses being enhanced might make him like even more susceptible to whatever the i hell didn't think doing. about it like that yeah if, if he's got say the normal five senses and then his sixth sense is profit like sensing the prophets yeah then yeah, if that's heightened as well, that makes sense. That's yeah. that's a good that's a good observation. I didn't think of it like that. Yeah. Send me my no prize. <laughs> oh, no. that's it now. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> nope. No prize. Get the joke? <laughs> if Do not, you... Stan Lee will explain it to you for twenty minutes. Yes, he will. And how he invented it. Of course he did. <laughs> um but no, I I like there's a very personal reason I like this. And it's because I'm 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 ADD, and I don't want to get into, oh, there's no such thing as ADD. Shut up. Yes, there is. Of course there is. Uh, and I'm medicated for it, and it's a whole thing. But I, even if you think of it as not a, a, a disorder and more of a personality type, there are types of people who get hyper-focused on things, who mm -hmm. get really absorbed in things to the point where you forget to eat, you don't go to sleep, you're just so absorbed in a thing, and any interruption is like, oh, I almost had it. Leave me alone. And Cisco gets that here. Yeah. And it feels like, yes, I've been there. I'm so into this thing. Just don't bug me right now. I never considered that as a character thing for Cisco, but it actually makes a lot of sense. And there's well, a lot of evidence of well, it, when we, you know, over the when years. I, when I watched it with Amanda, she mentioned uh, this is just another example of Cisco obsessing over a thing like he did with the light ship. And in that episode, Dax mentions when he built like a, a crib for Jake or a, a room for Jake. I don't remember what he built. Like yeah, some, some Jake thing. Yeah. He built some, Jake. Yeah, he built Jake out of wood. <laughs> Someday you'll be a real boy, and then you'll leave me <laughs> to go live with Nog. What the hell is wrong with you? I'm just, yeah, you'd like, I'm just still on the Jake is Pinocchio thing. <laughs> it explains why he's so, like, gangly. <laughs> he, he just cut the strings, and he's still not quite sure how, how to walk. <laughs> but I, I'm no, stuck it just, in this giant fish. It, it, a, a whale is not a fish, Matt. They called it a fish in the original book. Did they? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a whale. No, it was a whale in the movie. Oh, all right. Um, in in any event, I I can relate to like being so wrapped up in a thing that that you know, to to the detriment of like everything else. Yeah. And I like that's one of the reasons I really like this, and I like I've I've said this from day one. I like the prophets because it works on a sci-fi level, but it also works on a like sort of an epic storytelling level. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know, I really like it. I like him, and I like the arc of him as the emissary, like, gradually coming into accepting it to the point where he's totally into it now. 
I love that it hits just as Bajor is supposed to be. Uh, yep. Being brought, finally being brought to the Federation, like this, like this huge, huge thing that we've been working towards since the first episode. Yeah, this is what the whole show is about. Like I yep. said in my summary. And then I like I love that he's just like no, yeah, can't do can't. it. Can't do it yet is what he says. Yeah. And we will discuss this more in the spoiler section. But I will I will only say all of the stuff that he claims will happen uh, unfolds. Like, yep. it, it's cryptic enough that what he says is not spoilers. But it, all of the stuff that he says will actually happen, and there is a good plot reason why Bejor should not join the Federation right now. That does pay off. It's not just a... Because sometimes shows that have prophecies, like I'm thinking of Buffy, uh, there's, there's others, I'm sure, mm-hmm. like other stories with prophecies, like sort of throw a cryptic thing out there and then they're like uh yeah and then it paid off this way like no it's very clearly there's a reason for it mm-hmm. I, I oh angel is what i'm thinking of angel had a few prophecies where it's just like uh oh yeah that show was all about prophecies and then and then they just kind of decided they didn't want to do it anymore so they're like oh the the apocalypse already happened mm-hmm. did it <laughs> okay i i really enjoyed that show but i i some it, of their it had a couple of rough seasons some of their i don't even say seasons i would just say some of their like big picture story payoff stuff yeah. was not satisfying to me, but because the characters were good and, and the individual episodes were good, it didn't really bother mm. me. But here, this pays off. Like, this this prophecy stuff will come to pass, and I like that. Yeah. And I remember seeing this at the time, like, watching, because like I've said, I've been watching it in real time at this point back in the day. Um, I just speculate, what could this mean? Like, a, a, a bunch of locusts are going to blot out the sun on Bejor, and they're going to Cardassia, and we can't join the Federation. Now, what is that? What is that about? It was so cool just to try to guess what might be going on. Yep, and then DS9 is literally just attacked by locusts. Yeah, just space space bugs. Flying out of the wormhole. Uh-huh. Splattering against all the windows Cisco's always looking out of. <laughs> They're actually cicadas. He didn't get it quite right. But, you know, <laughs> prophecies are, are, are uh, you know, like, uh, subject to a little bit of interpretation. So. And then Oda's like, oh, do you hear a buzzing, Quark? <laughs> Buzz. <laughs> That's delightful. Um, so my bad thing actually ties into your good thing. So yes. let's, let's sort of talk about this together. Uh, I've mentioned before how I don't love the woman who plays Cassidy and I don't have her name in front of me. It's Penny something. I Penny believe. Marshall. It's not Penny Marshall. No, I'm pretty sure it's Penny Marshall. I don't think it's TV's Laverne Penny Marshall. <laughs> but this episode in particular really showcases how not great she is. Yeah. Because there's a few super powerful, just emotionally charged scenes between Cisco, Jake, and Cassidy. Mm-hmm. And we've said so many times before, to the point where I don't even think we should be allowed to, to make it a good thing anymore because we love this relationship so much, mm-hmm. that Cisco and Jake just have this amazing chemistry. But um, I, I, it just she is so outclassed by both of them. Yeah. No, there's this, there, this scene where, uh, with, uh, where they're all in uh, the Cisco quarters and... Uh... Yeah, this is the last scene, right? No, no, this is before that. This is okay. the, one of the mid-scenes. Okay. No, well, you know... They're talking about uh, Ben's supposed to be going in, going in to get this surgery so that he doesn't, you know, die. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. I need to keep hearing from the prophets. And so we've got crazy Ben on one side. Uh, we've got uh, uh, poor Jake trying to get his dad to not kill himself on the other side. And in the middle, we've got Penny Marshall just be like, don't, <laughs> Penny Marshall. don't do it. Yeah. What? No. The scene I'm thinking of is at the end. Mm, that's Jake, another good one. Well, there's there's the sick bay bit where uh, uh, Ben's lying there unconscious, mm. 
and the admiral is like fucking t- take those visions out of his head and Bashir's like well I can't I have to, like med- medical ethics say I have to do what the patient wants and the last thing he said before he passed out was don't fix it mm-hmm. and he's like the only thing that could override that is the wishes of his closest relative and everyone in the room looks at Jake and Sierra Clofton gets this perfect like just weight of the world oh god I'm a man now I yep. have to make a decision about my possibly dying father oh fuck sorry buddy and he just looks petrified. It's not all about writing stories and leaving your clothes cluttered around the room. Yeah, you're you're free. You are a grown man now. You you were, but that also means you have to sometimes make hard decisions. I gotta tell you, I'm really glad at 19, no one told me whether I or not I had to decide if my father was gonna die. The thing is, that can happen. Yeah, like that that can absolutely happen. I mean, I see it more with people my age as as their parents get a little older, having to care for them, having to make decisions, whatever. But and I can't even imagine it now at forty. Like, yeah. uh, no, ask somebody else, anybody else. But um, no, it's just it's all in his face. Like he's got some lines. Yeah. But it's all in his face. It's all like, oh Jesus. Well, I know Dad wanted this, but I can't I can't bear to live without him. He's like I've lost Mom. He's all I got. No, you got to you got to save him. And there's a scene after that when he wakes up and he's disappointed, but he also obviously loves Jake and he doesn't want to say he's disappointed. And there's a lot going on there. Yep. And Jake again, he's got a couple of lines of dialogue, but it's less what he says and more how he looks. Mm-hmm. Where he's just like, "Oh God, I hope I didn't disappoint Dad." And you pointed out, I already know what it's like to live without him, and I don't want that again. Yeah. And that was that was a good observation too. Like it's a, it's a good like. Like, shit, yeah, he knows exactly what it means to lose. Dad, I can't, just... I can't, Dad, I can't lose you. I don't want to become an old recluse. Yeah, not again. Not again. I, I mean, he probably, I don't think he actually remembers what no, happened. No, I think Cisco's the one that remembers it. Right. Nevertheless, yeah. it's still a good, like, for us, the audience, like, oh, yeah, this is a very strong relationship. We, we know here. what happens if this guy doesn't have a dad. Right. He needs, he needs his dad. Otherwise, he will just be sad his whole life. Yep. But it it's it's just so powerful and it's so ruined by by Cassidy just Ben we made the right decision he's like what's this about and she goes it's about jambalaya like really yeah. <laughs> i guess they uh, they don't have subtlety on your planet do they cassidy i'm pretty sure she's just from earth <laughs> penny well, johnson is her name i yeah. just looked it up yeah right penny marshall uh-huh no, you're confused because she was the Grand Marshal of the parade. Ah, uh, okay. Where they threw pennies at people. Right, right. So she was Shirley then. Yes, she surely was. <laughs> but yeah, he there was there was just some fine acting. Like I mean, Avery Brooks. Let's be clear, super over the top. But oh, yeah. that's exactly what the role called for here. Mm-hmm. Like just crazy looks in his eyes and and yeah, no, nobody goes crazy like uh, like Avery Brooks goes crazy. Yeah, and it's clear that the guys writing the show are now fully aware of what he's capable of, and they're like, shit, yeah, we got to use that. Mm-hmm. What, what can we do to make Cisco as crazy as possible without just doing a stupid possession episode? Cut the reins off him, let him go. And all it is is just something in his brain sparks a little more. Yep. It's, he's not possessed, it's still him. He's just a little more driven now. And it, it really, really works. Oh, yeah. Uh, what was your bad thing? Uh, man, Starfleet sure does have some serious disdain for the Bajoran religion. That seems actually really in character, but also kind of awful. Like, there's this whole scene, they're waiting for Ben to show up, and all the Bajorans are just like, uh, well, it's Kai Wynn specifically, but, you know, yeah. the whole Bajorans are just like, oh, we can't do anything until the emissary arrives. Sure. They're just like, oh, this guy again. 
<laughs> the thing is, it's I love, I absolutely love, this is quintessential DS9 for me, the conflict of interests. Mm-hmm. The fact that he is both things. And Starfleet is super uncomfortable. Like, we, could you maybe not say you're the emissary? <laughs> He's like, but but I am. Uh, yeah, but could you maybe just distant? Could you tell them it's a it's a good idea for them to join the Federation after all? No, because I don't think that it is. Oh, Ugh. and I just love you know anyone else, and I'd have your badge for this. Yeah, but the, these guys would like <laughs> lynch us or yeah. You know, like, just completely cut us off. Like, they would never join the Federation. They would shut off trade negotiations. Like, it would make things difficult for us. We need this wormhole. We need those guys to be on our side. Yeah. Don't know why they need the wormhole, but that's another thing. Well, they got to keep going over there to see what's over there. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Got to keep poking that hornet's nest. Before the Dominion, I understood why the wormhole was a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Now, it's like, maybe not. (laughs) Um, We actually, we had a discussion. I don't know if you want to save this until spoilers or not. I don't know. But we were, like, I don't know how much... I don't think we got into any spoiler territory, but uh, we were talking about how the show would have gone if they had actually fired Cisco. Yeah, no, there's no spoilers there. Okay. Because no, they don't fire. No, the, the like, the idea of them just, like, okay, you know what? You're done. Well, that's the thing. At the end, like like I alluded to, uh, he's like, we want to fire you, but we can't. And, yeah, if, if they had, he clearly would have stuck around. Oh, Absolutely. And he clearly would have done something, and it could have been a really interesting thing, dynamic, to make him, you know, like, put him at odds with the next guy. Yeah, you bring in, like, like the new uh, the new Federation guy who mm-hmm. doesn't believe in this crap at all. Right. Or, you know, believes in it like Dax does, as purely science. Yeah. And so now, thinks maybe that it's dangerous that these guys worship it like religion. Yeah, so now we've got Cisco the religious figure. Yeah. And his new best friend, Kai Wynn. <laughs> Well, let's go into that because your original bad thing. Oh yeah, this was this was something we had to talk through, and you realize, okay, yeah, that makes sense as a plot thing. Yeah, no, um, so at one point he's like, after the scene I was talking about, where he's like, I have to go and learn more about, uh, like, I can't let these visions stop. Mm-hmm. Fucking Kai Win comes by his quarters, like, all right, are you ready, emissary? We're going to go down to look at the, have an orb experience together, and we're best friends now. <laughs> and well, see, Jake's just like, seriously. Right in front of her, he says, Dad, you trust her? Since when? I just, I love that, like, nobody else on the, like, everybody else on the station would cause a diplomatic incident or or whatever to say, you're you're a bitch and everyone hates you, but Jake's got, (laughs) Jake's got nothing at stake there. He can just say, my dad hates you, you know that, right? Although he did, uh, I think he did ruin his chances for getting whatever the Bajoran version version of the Pulitzer is. Yeah, probably. <laughs> she'll she'll work like she'll work like Nixon to make sure that that never happens. <laughs> but no, it's it's your, your original bad thing was wow, really? He teams up with her? That doesn't seem right. Seriously, her? And I was telling yeah, her. <laughs> and I was I was telling you my thought on that was she's got she's got access to the orbs and all that stuff, like all the old texts. Like he doesn't like it. Yeah. But he's got he's to have access to that. Like, he's so sensitive to all this stuff right now. Having an orb experience would completely, like, complete that chain. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's that's exactly... He needs to get plugged in directly. Mm-hmm. Which and makes that's the sense. Only way to do it. And I, she's got possession of all that stuff. She's so. got the orb keys. Yeah. I just I, What I was trying to avoid saying, she's got the orbs, because that sounds lewd. Uh, and you don't want to think about her orbs. There's an image. I was trying not to say that. I failed. Come gaze at my orbs, child. Let's have an orb experience, child. Oh. <laughs> oh, God, you're the worst person. 
You want to explore my wormhole? Uh, this podcast is over. <laughs> the hell it is. <laughs> oh god. It's it, but again, I think narratively that was meant to show us look how far he's come. Yeah. Like he is so far gone into this that it doesn't matter to him. Mm. Like he'll he'll uh, uh figuratively get in bed with her. Which is just ah. But um, the other, like again, and surprising no one, she's fucking great in this episode. Yeah, we do. And the, the thing is, she's got to come around to like, okay, there is no doubting now that he's the emissary. He's having visions. He found behind, like, there's a physical. Yep. Em- it's not just shit he's saying. He did it. He yeah. went and found the lost city. Yeah. No, I was I was wrong. Yep. And then of course the second she steps onto the ship and into the ep- or onto the station and into the episode, I'm like, okay, so what's your angle now? And the thing You've is, you've always got one. Oh, and she does, but her angle now is, I guess I have to be friends with this guy because he's absolutely the emissary. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, oh, crap, I got like five years of uh, pissing this guy off. Yeah. I, I better start digging. I got to get on his good side now. Yeah, this could take a while. And the thing is, it's still manipulative. Oh, absolutely it is. Because she just wants his favor to get her way. Yeah. But it's it, it now is not quite so harmful to our characters, mm-hmm. so, you know. And I, there's a scene, there's a fantastic scene. She's probably at her best in this episode because this show does a great job of, it's it's that same ambiguity I was talking about. It's that same conflict of interest with Starfleet thing that I love. Yeah. And this is another very ds 90 thing, which is this character who we've, to this point, thought of as mostly just kind of evil mm-hmm. now has some shades of complexity. Yep. And my quote is this scene between her and Kira where it, it, we're not so different, you and I. Yeah. I suppose you heard that Bejor will not join the Federation today. The Council of Ministers has voted to delay acceptance of Federation membership. Uh, You must be very pleased. I wish I were. But things are not that simple. Not anymore. Before Captain Sisko found Bahala, my path was clear. I knew who my enemies were. But now... Now nothing is certain. Makes life interesting, doesn't it? And I just, I love that. I love, and and unfortunately, there's a bit of visual uh, aspect there, too, because there's a look she gives Kira. Yeah. Which is like, oh, God, you're right. Yeah. And it's just fantastic. I, that phrasing, too. I don't know who my enemies are. Yeah. That that's the way she lot. looks at the world. Yeah. Like, because that's her, her way of tackling the world is, show me who my enemies are and I will defeat them. Yeah. That's what you want in your spiritual leader. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I fucking love this show. Yeah, me too. But again, that's the, the what this show does, and they're doing it a bit with Ducat right now, too. They'll do mm. it a little more with him later without spoiling specific stuff. They'll take these characters that you think are sort of one-note, like, antagonists, and say, no, they have their own, like, motives. They're not evil. They're just yeah. at cross-purposes. No, that's... Look. I, she's awful. I but, hate her. But she's got <laughs> a reason. If that hasn't been clear... Yeah. But she's got her reasons for acting like that. Oh, yeah. She went through some shit, too. And I, you know, I like that. I like that right now she's vaguely sympathetic. She might not always be, but right now she's, you know, certainly not, certainly not for me. Well, right. She goes through her whole, yeah, I was in prison and every day I was beaten and, you know, all I had was my courage and my faith. And I'm like, I still don't like you. (laughs) You're not going to win any favors with me for one speech, lady. Mm. I just, I've, I've always thought of her just because I've seen the show before. Yeah. I've always tried not to look at her as as just hateable, but 
as being sort of a multi-dimensional character. And, hey, you know, I find her hateable, but I have reasons. I understand. I have real reasons. Okay, let's hear them. I have an, I have a list on my computer. <laughs> reasons Matt hates Kai Wen. Very well. Volume one. I also like there's a there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a flowers for Algernon vibe to this. Yeah. Just at the end where he's lo- like he's he's briefly touched levels of of brilliance that he's never had before, and then he's back to normal. And it's like, no, and just, I don't know, that's one of my favorite books, and I just, I really like that Yeah, book. he is this great when he wakes up, you took them away! Yeah, and of course, it's, it, it again, crazy over the top. Yeah. But it's okay, because it's, you know. It's, it's Cisco. It. Yeah, he works. Yeah. Uh, anything else? I think that's everything I wanted to touch on. Okay, um, our pal Scott Zioko wrote, it, wrote to me uh, recently and said, uh, we have a spoiler section on the show, and maybe we could put it after... Like, we end the show. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Because after we do the spoilers, then we do plugs, then we talk about mail and all that. Yeah. Like, but if you're missing the spoilers, then you're missing all that. So oh. so I'm going to actually end the show now, play the credits, and then the spoiler section. That's how we're yeah. going to do it now. Just, I mean, it it shouldn't really matter. But I understand, Scott, you're absolutely right that that makes more sense. Mm. So if you want to write to us, our next supplemental is not for a while, but we'd love to hear from you. Post Atomic Horror at Gmail. Uh, the show is available at uh, Uh Next week, we're doing another couple of good episodes. I don't think we have a guest. Uh, in a few more weeks, we're doing our crossover with uh, our good friends, the Gavs, that do the Doctor Who podcast, Drunken Time Travel. That should be a lot of fun. Yep. Except that we're watching the Star Wars Holiday Special. and That will not be that fun. That will not be fun. <laughs> Uh, but Gav, uh, Irish Gav and I have, have started sort of talking yeah. about details for that and, and specifics, and, and it should be a, a fun time for you, the listener. So look forward to that, look forward featuring to B. Arthur and Lumpy. And Itchy. And Itchy. So, from, from the non-spoiler section, this is now us saying what Matt says. See you, folks. <laughs> The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. All right, spoilers. So, obviously, the stuff that uh, Cisco uh, envisions all comes true. Yep. The locusts are Jem'Hadar ships, which look like locusts. Like, they got a very bug-like look to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to Cardassia because they're about to sign a treaty with Cardassia. And there's in, I think, next season. Is it next season? I don't remember. When it, it's like... It's got to be. We're getting pretty, you know, we're at, the, we're at the halfway point now almost. No, we're past the halfway point. Yeah. We're well past the halfway point, actually. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to remember exactly how it unfolds. It's basically what they said on Memory Alpha was if... If uh, Bajor had been part of the Federation, they just would have been the first Cardassian, like the first Cardassian conquest mm-hmm. in the war. But the fact that they're right next to the wormhole and they sign a non-aggression treaty makes things way more complicated. Yeah, which I love. I just I love how they th- either they thought this out or they very cleverly made paid it off. look like they yeah yeah planted some seeds that they knew they could pay off later. And I just I, I love that. Yeah, it all That's, works. It's awesome. And it, it totally makes sense that they can't sign a treaty yet. Or uh, join the Federation yet, rather. Mm. I, I just, I really like that. No, it's really well done. Yeah. Also, um, I, what I wanted to mention about the, the previous episode about the Ascent, uh, Odo gets his powers back next week. 
Really? Already. That didn't yeah, take long. I know. And I was a little disappointed because at the time it was like, wow, they're really sticking with this. I, and the, no, it, only lasts like 12 weeks. Well, a little surprised by that. You'd think it would they would have at least gone the whole season. The thing is, they were not allowed to do serialization, so even this much. Wow. Even making Odo not a changeling for, for 12 episodes was like a huge deal. I guess. Jesus. Yeah. Like, they just, they were not, like, they were, it's not that they weren't allowed, as I recall, it's more that they were encouraged not to. Mm. And they did it anyway. They just said, no, this guy's situation is going to last for a while. Mm -hmm. But no, next week we're doing the episode where he gets his powers back. So. Huh. All right. Yeah. I don't remember what the other one is. Uh, did you have any other? Uh... No, I think that's everything. Very well. Then uh, once again, we say. See you again, folks. 